Do you know someone who's caring for an elderly family member or someone with a disability? Have you thought about a future life plan if you needed one in the case of an unexpected life event? A life event can happen at any time. A succession plan for life is more important than we realise. In this podcast, we hear from Danielle Robertson from DR Care Solutions, who provide care solutions for care recipients or guardians in the areas of aged care and disability care. Danielle has such a wealth of experience in working with people who have cared for someone who has already had a life event occur, and she has seen the real impact on their life. She shares these insights with us generously. Have a listen to better understand the world of carers and to consider your own future. Thank you for joining us, Danielle. It's so good to hear from you again today. My pleasure. Good to hear from you guys too. All right, so we've got National Carers Week coming up here in Australia in in the middle of October. So it's a very good time for us to have a conversation about the recognition of the unpaid carers and the role of caring um, in all its different forms. Why do you think it's important that we recognise carers? Look, I think there's so many unpaid carers. It is something the government is very aware of, uh, that we're saving the government millions, probably billions of dollars uh, of of unpaid care hours that uh, are being provided. It's very hard to quantify um, how many people are actually out there caring for others. Uh, you don't know. There might be someone working full-time at, in your office, but they are actually having an aged care or a disabled relative living with them um, and, and having to support them when they come home from work or before work each day. So it, it really is a huge number of people out there doing this that isn't really recognised. Um, we recommend that people support those who are caring for others, that they provide resources. And it takes the pressure off knowing that there is help there if they need, you know, if they're feeling the pressure, if they're not getting the sleep that they require. But there is help out there to um, get some either respite or some government funded assistance or fee for service. So just to be aware that there's other people out there doing this on a daily basis. And I think in the workplace, there's a lot of people that don't realise that there are people sitting next to them who are doing this sort of work out of hours. Yeah, if it's not your typical caring situation where, you know, we all know about looking after kids, that's probably the most recognised form of caring in an unpaid unpaid context, but there's so many different forms. What are the sorts of carers that you typically speak to and support? Look, we speak to a huge number of people from age really 40 plus, and it might not be just for them or for them to think about planning ahead for themselves, but for their parents and even their grandparents. And this is, I'm having a number of conversations with people who are saying, look, I'm, I'm really exhausted. I'm actually helping my grandmother. She's um, developed early onset dementia. Uh, Mum's working full time. The whole family are pulling together to try and make sure that grandma doesn't need to go into a, an age care facility but it's exhausting so you know what we have to be aware of is it can affect anyone at any time Um, ourselves you know I'm 50-ish 53 this year um, and it could be a life event and I'm not talking about developing dementia at 53 but there could be heart attacks strokes um, that life events that can occur very quickly and change the course of someone's life um, in in an instant and to be able to support those people whether it be the person who's younger with a a disability um, or somebody who has who is aging who hasn't 
really had uh, the support of family previously and having to have that support. So, um, you know, we I speak to a broad range of people. I had recently a lady who was 60 who came to me. I'd helped her mother into an aged care facility a couple of years ago. And she said to me, I have no living relative in Australia. So what happens to me as I age? Now at age 60, that's a very forward thinking person to say, I really need to have a plan so that if I develop a cognitive decline or a physical impairment, that I'll need some support and help and someone to step in and act as an advocate for me should that occur. So we worked with her um, financial planner, we worked with her uh, power of attorney and enduring guardian to make sure that everyone's in the loop, that should something happen to this lady, that the four of us can step in and help her manage that way through to what she, what her wishes are to be carried out in the way that, um, you know, she wanted them. So, you know, it's not just somebody who's ageing or somebody who's caring for an ageing person. So it's quite broad, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at 40 plus, we don't typically think about, you know, that age range. We, we typically straight straight away go to, okay, well, I'm somebody who is either in the situation of looking after my elderly family or unwell family member. And we typically think that that happens when we're older. But, you know, who knows? Like you say, life events occur and they are always unexpected. Yes. So yes. you support people, th- you know, in in planning for planning ahead, planning for the unexpected. Is that right? Correct. And also, if the unexpected does happen, that we know the plan, we step in and, and enact the plan. It's almost like a succession plan, but for your life. So that if mm. the life event does intervene, we we have the steps, the recommendations have already been prepared, and then we implement that. So that's the second part of the process. So when I work with families, sometimes it's just that first part understanding their care needs now and what might happen in the future with recommendations and then that can sit for years and then when the life event does occur we enact that and that's actually implementation and that might be actually working with families to get home care it might be downsizing into a retirement village or a low level care facility or into high level care depending on where they're at in their life cycle Mm -hmm. Um, so you know I, I think that you know we all need just to be aware of, of what can happen and to have that um, uh, plan, that life plan developed so that you can pull it out at any time and to, and to communicate that to family members. I've had this life plan developed. This is where it's kept, just like your will and your powers of attorney and all that special documentation that you should be keeping in a, in a safe place. You can add the life plan to that as well. Oh, yeah, okay, that's great. I love it. Some people don't like to talk about these things, but it's so important that we do, isn't it? Uh, well, it's not very sexy. <laughs> no, that's not, it's not, but it is so, so critically important. Um, yes. Now, you mentioned earlier that exhaustion is one of the biggest things that you see and the common challenge that carers face. What, what else do you think? Look, a lot of people, the the most common questions I'm asked are, are, are what government help can I get? Uh, What other support services can I get? How much is it going to cost? So, you know, it's actually working with them to see what we can get from the government. Unfortunately, there's not a huge amount uh, we can do from the government. We can get you into the system if the person is over um, the age of 65, they go through the My Age Care system. If they're under the age of 65, they go through the NDIS system. Um, 
So if the person is over the age of 65, we can put them into my aged care and get them listed, but that doesn't mean that they're going to actually get support. Um, you know, it might be that they've been assessed by the government and they'll be on wait lists. And unfortunately, the government has one bucket of money and uh, it's only when somebody either moves up a level for home care packages or moves out of the Commonwealth Home Support Program that that frees up that funding for another person. So at the moment, there's quite a big roadblock with uh, huge waiting lists of people um, waiting for home care packages. So what you need to think about is planning ahead to make sure you put some money aside so that if you do need some support and some respite that you can actually pay fee-for-service to an organisation to have that rest and recuperation until your government-funded help comes through, if at all. Right, and it's such a complex system which I assume is one of the common challenges that carers face you know working through the complexities of what what am I entitled to what else what other support can I find and 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 you know I suppose how do I plan ahead for that and that's right working full-time often you know or or, you know part-time but they're still struggling they're exhausted they're trying to um, care for somebody through the night that might be it's almost like having a baby if you've got an aged care person that needs to get up at night and go to the bathroom um, it's like having a baby and that you're up every four hours so you know what that broken sleep's like it does affect you it wears you down and if you're trying to do a full-time professional job it's it's exhausting and you're you may not be doing the right job at at work uh, because you are exhausted so that's where we're talking to a number of employers about um, providing that relief and support to those employees who have caring responsibilities so that they can actually focus on the job at hand and make sure that they and know that their loved one is being cared for at home during the day or at night or whatever that um, you know Mm. under their sort of direction. So if I'm a colleague and I know that my, my, my colleague sitting next to me is is in this situation right now, what do you recommend? How can I support my colleague, my peer who, who is looking after someone in their life at the moment? Look, I think be a really good ear and understanding and support um, and ask them if they need a hand with research or for some resources um, to introduce someone that could support them through this process. I mean, the time taken for a person who has no idea of the aged care or disability care system can take five or six weeks to, to go through the maze, figure out what they're entitled to, what they're not entitled to. By that time, they're absolutely exhausted. You know, you can organise a, a, a firm like DRK solutions to come in and within 24 to 48 hours it's done and dusted and you know that's that's you know yes it costs money of course it costs money to have that expertise to come in a consultant to come in and support you but I think having if you're aware of someone next to you at work who is struggling it's it's that knowing that you can support them and and guide them through that process if you are able to or speak to someone in HR or, you know, just to make other people aware if that person is is comfortable with um, the firm or the company being aware of their situation. A lot of people will take time off but not actually say it's for caring responsibilities. They might say it's sick leave. They might say it's annual leave. But, um, you know, and I I see that this is a a big issue. It's a bit of a stigma in in a very similar to the mental health issues over time where people would just take mm. sick leave off. They would never say it's a mental health day. They would just take time off work to try and get through it. Uh, very similar sort of thing for carers. They, they won't admit to the workplace that there, there is an issue, um, that they are trying to manage, you know, virtually two full-time jobs. Um, so it's just creating an awareness and knowing that there's support and resources to support that person. 
Absolutely, and 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 being open, and I think there probably is still somewhat of a stigma in talking about your responsibilities outside of work unless they're very commonly understood. And like you say, with the mental health um, issues that that are becoming something that we are more comfortable talking about, this also needs to be an area of open conversation, supported by colleagues, employers you know, everyone around us. Is, would you agree with that? Yes, and, and and taking time off without fear of retribution and that they're going to be demoted or that they're going to be looked at in a different light. I think it, it is just being um, open and, and open to discussions and saying, you know, is the employer prepared to help me through this journey? It might be for a short-term period. It might be, you know, somebody might be in hospital so that person is going to the hospital every single day or or trying to manage this process. They're in hospital and the hospital said you've got to get them out by next Wednesday. That puts a lot of pressure on that individual. So just having their workplace that is, is comfortable with allowing that person to take a week off or a few days off just to source that um, the right care for their loved one um, is imperative. So it's just an understanding from the employer's perspective, I think. Absolutely. Now, some of our employers um, are running with you, of course, with um, running internal awareness forums and, and sessions for anyone who's interested in this topic. And I think that's a really great example of what an employer can do to to help build awareness on this important topic of all different scenarios when it comes to caring. Yes. Um, is there anything else that you've seen that employers are doing that are, you know, that, that, that's a really great idea of how to support their people? Look, I think the lunch and learns and the webinars are, you know, um, educating and just bringing the the thought process to a person's mind or planting a seed you know they might think gosh I'm only in my 40s why why am I even you know involved in this or why do I have to go to this or why do I have to listen to it but it's more planting the seed and actually then saying okay well I love my family my family are very important to me maybe we should be having a discussion around what my parents or my grandparents want um, if they're a younger person or even if they're an older person who's heading towards retirement thinking gosh I hadn't even thought about aged care uh, and what I want for the future. I've all, all I've done is think about retirement. So it's more, um, you know, the lunch and learns are great. It's uh, webinars. It's actually talking to other people. I mean, I get a lot of inquiries, just of people chatting with me and saying, well, what do I do? Where do I go? Um, is, is it too early to start this discussion? I mean, for example, I just had a call yesterday, a gent who's six, uh, 75, his wife's 74. She's just been um, diagnosed with um, mild cognitive decline. He said, we don't need care or support, but we're thinking about what the next steps are going to be um, and we need to plan ahead. So he's already thinking about that as a, my goodness, we're in retirement, what what happens after this? If I, something happens to him who is the primary carer, who's going to look after my wife? Does she have to go into an aged care facility when she's only got mild cognitive decline? That would be awful. Her wishes to remain at home, how can we make that happen? So it's just once again creating an awareness, starting the discussions. And I think by large corporates having these discussions, having lunch and learns, having seminars for their employees, um, conference, you know, if they have a, a, a professional development day to have someone like me come in and just have those discussions and talk to them about having discussions with their loved ones and planning ahead. Mm, brilliant. Are there any, um, is there any other advice or final sort of tips that you would uh, say are important for, for the listeners on this topic? 
Look, as I said, just I think that the key is planning ahead, uh, having discussions early mm. before a life event intervenes and making sure your family, your close and loved ones know what your wants and wishes are and that you know what their wants and wishes are so that, you know, if God forbid they have a stroke and that they've lost capacity so they can't actually speak and identify what they want, that the family already know. And they said, look, if mum ever had this, she said this is what she wanted. So, you know, that that's just, you know, to me the planning ahead is key. And get really good financial advice, get really good legal advice. I always go through with people to make sure their estate planning is in place, even if they're young, um, because power of attorney and enduring guardianship is absolutely imperative that if you are... Um, something happens to you, you lose capacity, has to go through the courts if you haven't already appointed your own um, power of attorney or enduring guardian. And that can delay the whole process of getting the right care. Um, so by having those documents in place, it doesn't cost a lot of money to have them done. And also a current will. Apparently 50% of the, the Australian population don't have wills, which I, I just can't fathom why people don't want to do that or to have powers of attorney and enduring guardians um, appointed they don't have to enact it until that person loses capacity but have it or have all your ducks in a row so once again that planning ahead is vital well you've certainly got me thinking danielle I'm, I'm, my mind is ticking over here thinking oh goodness i'm one of the people that really needs to plan a bit more ahead so <laughs> if i'm sitting here seeing these things i'm sure many others will um so really appreciate you sharing what you have and you know planning ahead is the key in all of this so it is it is indeed. Happy to help anytime. Thanks so much, Danielle.